Okay, this is Brian Robinson again. This is the talk that came after the weekend away. It was the identity talk. I titled it uh, Beholding and Becoming. Um, the theme, I guess, for this talk is basically that um, what we behold, what we look at, what we think on, gaze on, uh, focus on, whatever captures our hearts is what we become. So it's a scriptural principle that that I think is really amazing, that that which we behold, we become. And uh, the key scripture was 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 18. Uh, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, taken away. The Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces, contemplate or look upon the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's an amazing text that I think kind of captures what we hope is happening in men's lives. Um, And I showed a clip from the movie Blood Diamond, sort of um, to kind of capture what I feel like has been a... Uh, the process of of going away and, and sharing life stories, and I showed this clip from Blood Diamond, the movie, where um, it's towards the end of the movie where the son is facing his father. He, the son has believed all these lies. He was abducted. He became a um, a child soldier in Africa, and the father finally tracks him down. The son has a gun to his father, and the son has committed murder and he's done horrible things. He's taken drugs and he's he's drank. He's only like ten or twelve years old. And he's facing his father, and the father says to him, he says, you are my son, and this this is who you are. And the son begins to cry, and the father embraces him. And it's a beautiful picture of what I think is happening in the process of going through this, this renovate um, class or course, is that the men have believed lies about themselves. And as they are honest about those things, they're confronted with a father who loves them. And the, the brothers around them are speaking the truth of the father to the men saying, no, this is, who, this is who you really are. You've believed these things, but no, you, you really are something else. So that, that was kind of a, just a good picture, I think, of the whole process. But it wasn't necessarily my, my talk um, itself. I, I just used that to kind of lead into my talk. Um, what I wanted to talk about are the four stages of, of Christian love or love in general um, from um, this guy called named uh, Bernard of Clairvaux. He was a Catholic monk in the uh, 11th century. And he basically kind of um, summarized or sort of categorized the process of Christian growth. And and so I went through these four stages to kind of get us to realize um, we have to get, we have to get out of the endless introspection that can often happen in these courses where you take the course and you become very introspective and you look at your life and all your problems and all your pain and then you find more things to look at and then more things and then you do the course again and you find more st- and it just never it never gets out of this endless sort of self-focused introspection and that's a very dangerous place because it becomes all about you it becomes all about the the person and it's it's self-absorbed even though you're trying to get free of something or healed of something or whatever it may be if if we never get outside of ourselves that we 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 lose the perspective and so he goes through these four stages of of um 
of love, he calls it. The first stage is uh, the love of self for the sake of self. This is the stage that all non-believers are in. Uh, essentially, they they live for themselves. They live to find joy. They live to to use things to bring them pleasure, uh, relationships or money or jobs or power, but they never get beyond the true uh, meaning of life to, to find God. And so they live in this, this, this uh, stage of the love of self for the sake of self. Uh, it's just self-absorption, basically. Then when a, when a person comes to Jesus and realizes there's a need for um, forgiveness and redemption and healing, they get to the place of the love of God for the sake of self. Everyone has to go through this, and, and we never really don't do this, but we, we always need God um, for forgiveness, for healing, for whatever it may be. Um, but he, t- he says that when you come to Christ, you realize that you, you, you love God for your own sake. In other words, you need the Lord to heal you and to forgive you and to restore you. And the problem is most Christians never really get out of the stage. They, they pray and their prayers are consumed with God bless me, God forgive me, God help my family, help my job, which is fine. But if that's all it ever is, it really means you just want God's hand. In other words, we seek God's hand. We seek God's blessings. We seek God's moving in our life. But we don't seek God. We, we want the blessings, but not the bless or, and, um, he says we have to get beyond this stage because this stage, this stage, the love of self, a love of God for the sake of self, does not produce joy. Initially, it produces joy because we're, we're saved and we have that initial, you know, childlike faith, uh, that, that rebirth that we experience, and we're you know excited for a few months because of God forgiving us and, and healing us. But if we never get out of that stage of the love of God for the sake of self, we will not have joy. Because joy is not produced by looking inward. It's produced by looking outward and upward. So the third stage he talks about is the love of God for the sake of God. And this is really what I wanted to focus on in my talk, that as we behold, we become. And God is the greatest, most beautiful, most glorious, most wonderful thing or person. He's not a thing, a person that we could encounter And if we experience God, if we begin to love God, to gaze upon God, to contemplate God just for his sake, not for our sake, then we will experience joy because as we behold him, we become like him. That's the beauty of this is as you look at Jesus, you become like Jesus and Jesus has joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore, the Bible says. So Psalm 84, one says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. Uh, Psalm 27, four is one thing I've asked. This has been my desire that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to dwell in his temple all the days of my life. That's an amazing verse about, about the beholding, becoming about the love of God for the sake of God. Psalm 27, four, David caught a glimpse of God's beauty in the old Testament and he created a tabernacle that he filled with 4,000 singers and musicians that that were employed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not all at once, but they sang constantly and worshiped the Lord. So he would just go into the temple and he would sit and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in, in the context of worship and, and prayer. And that's an amazing picture that David had everything the world had to offer, the power and the pleasures and the, and the 
all the all the material things, but his greatest pleasure is one thing I ask. This is when I would seek to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Because when what we what happens is when we look at that which is more glorious than ourselves or even our world, when we look at that thing, it produces pleasure. I mean, a simple example would be going to a museum and looking at a work of art that we did not create, obviously, a uh, beautiful sculpture or painting or picture, and, and looking at that causes something to happen in our emotions. It causes us to have awe. It causes us to have gratitude or wonder. And we didn't do anything to make that, but yet we feel those emotions. How much more when we gaze upon the beauty of God should we or could we feel those emotions? That is what we want men to get, men and women to, to get, to understand. That once we get out of the phase of loving God for our own sake, we can love God for his sake. And that's experienced, obviously, uh, in worship on Sunday morning. But we need, we need more, than, more than 20 minutes once a week of this. We need a lifestyle of this. And I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. But there is this idea that, that it's just about me and Jesus and you know, getting, getting my stuff. Like, like Jesus comes into my life to complete me. Like he's the last piece of the pie missing. I have my family, my job, my kids, my dog. Now I've got Jesus. But that's a, that's a complete misinterpretation of what Christianity is. Jesus is not the last piece of the pie. He's the, he's the whole thing. I mean, he's the, he, he didn't make us to just fill out the last little piece of our, our lives. He, he made, made us to, to completely take over our lives and to, um, to fill us with himself. And I mentioned just that we don't often think about this, but this is a, a important concept that the highest value, the highest purpose or the highest objective, I would say in God's kingdom or God's economy is not my healing. It's not my forgiveness. Even though those are pretty high up there, the highest value in God's economy or God's kingdom, the highest value is that I would become like his son. Another word for that is holiness. Ultimately, where it's all going, where where this is all going to end up is that we are going to be like Jesus, perfect in love, without shame, without fear, without condemnation. God is trying to get us to that place through sanctification, through the process of walking through healing to get us to look like Jesus so we can love others like Jesus loved them, so we can uh, pray, for, pray for people the way he prayed for people, whatever it may be. But the, the goal, the highest goal in God's purpose for us is that we would become like his son. And any other objective that we put in there, you know, if my, if my healing is number one, then, then that, makes, that means I'm number one, you know, in a sense. So I just mentioned that and, and talked about the, the goal of God is to get us to be like Christ. Um, and um, I read a, Pi- a John Piper quote here about how, again, the danger of, of just thinking it's all about us. He says, this is my concern. Uh, do we make people, do we make clear to people over and over again, over and over again that they should feel love because Christ died for them? And yes, they should feel love because they're undeserving and he loves them anyway. But, and yes, they should feel love because their sins are forgiven and his wrath is, is removed. But to what end? He says, I wonder if many of our people are left thinking that what it means to be loved by God is to simply feel affirmed in their desire to be the center of it all. 
Christ died for me to make much of me. How gloriously good this feels. What a precious gospel. But it's all merely natural. There's nothing supernatural about this. It looks like recovery and healing, and it actually works. But at its root, it's all to the praise of his affirmation of me. It becomes all about me. And that's the danger of of not, I think, getting out of that first stage of the love of God for the sake of self. The love of God for the sake of God means that we are loving him because he's the highest thing we can love. And as we do that, we experience joy. As we do that, we experience wonder. You know, Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of, of heaven. And one thing that children have that's so amazing is they have wonder. Uh, besides the innocence and besides the, you know, the trust that they have, wonder is so beautiful in children. They just have this simple wonder about the most mundane things. They see a pool or they see a dog or they see a, a lollipop and they have just wonder because they're, they're children. And as time goes on, wonder is, is stolen from them. And the simple things mean mean nothing, you know, and we, we take more and more things to, to have wonder. I need the new iPhone 19 now, or I need the new, new 75-inch television to have wonder. And God wants to restore wonder by showing us how beautiful he is. We will, we will never cease to have wonder. A thousand years from now, when I'm in the new kingdom and, and the new age, I will still have wonder at this this King of Kings, this the love of Jesus. I'll never cease to have that. And so my my desire in this talk was to to exhort and to um, compel men to realize that their hearts become alive through gazing upon God. Now the whole this whole concept of, of gazing upon God it just sounds mystical, ethereal, it doesn't sound um what does that what does that mean basically practically? How do you cultivate a higher affection. Um, um, you know, how do we, how do we actually live this out? And so th- this is where it gets tricky because I didn't want to, I didn't want to give them a formula because I don't think there is a formula. I think every person experiences um, God in, in different ways. And so it really takes them looking at their own lives and the times in their life when they've experienced God. You know, for some people it's, in nature and they go on, you know, walks or they go on hikes. Uh, so for others, it's being quiet and listening to, to worship music. For others, it's through journaling. Others, it's through um, the word. But each person is, is different. So you can't just give them a formula and say, if you spend 30 minutes a day reading the Psalms, then you're going to experience beholding becoming and you're going to experience wonder. But I think a simple thing is to, to get, to get, scriptures that are that are about this sort of theme scriptures that are just are about Jesus Isaiah 63 or um, John chapter 1 that just describe the beauty of Jesus or the beauty of God you know the Psalm 27 4 one and what I should have done which I didn't do in my talk I, I, I wanted to actually practically do this and to where I just kind of shared you know in my own practice I would uh, in my own you know personal quiet time with the Lord I would just basically read these scriptures over and over again and I would play worship myself or put worship on and I begin to pray these things back to God. One thing I ask, this is what I desire. And God would speak, God would God would evoke affection and emotion and desire in me as I gazed upon him through the word. We pray the word back to God. Um, again, it sounds a little weird or mystical, but what I should have done 
but didn't do was was actually I was going to pass out scripture verses to all the men, a different verse, maybe four or five different verses. You know, I have, you know, five verses total and pass out one per, per man. So there'd be like, you know, five different verses floating around like Psalm 27, four, uh, Psalm 84, one, you know, John chapter one, a few verses from John chapter one. And they would, that we would spend, we would just spend 10 minutes, put a, put a song on the background and they would actually do this. They would just simply for 10 minutes, look at two sentences and pray back to the Lord and see what, what happens. And I've done it before. And it usually works. It's it's great. It's a simple thing to do. What I did uh, rather was I, I had David Gate do his um, "This Is Jesus" um, sort of uh, narrative thing, and it went went fine. It was just all about Jesus. It was the same idea, but it was you know it was fifteen minutes long, and it was just a, a different result that I that I expected. But I I think that uh, if I could do it over again, I think I would have scripture verses passed out to the the folks, and I would um, put on a worship song in the background, and so they could just kind of meditate on those uh on those verses uh then i mentioned also just the the fourth stage which i really didn't this really wasn't my talk but i wanted to mention it anyway uh the the last stage that uh clairvaux talked about um so we have the love of self for the sake of self the love of god for the sake of self the love of god for the sake of god and the last stage was the the love of self for the sake of god sounds a little weird, but it's a place that he talks about that you get to when you can actually see yourself the way the Father sees you. And it's not out of pride, it's not out of arrogance, but it's out of a place of wholeness and healing that you can see yourself as the beloved of God, as, a, as the bride of Christ, as a son of God. You, your identity is truly at a place where it's, it's, um, it's, there's no condemnation, there's no, there's no pride, there's no arrogance. It's a humility that you don't even realize you're, you're living in, but it happens after walking through this process. And uh, it's very few Christians that really maybe walk in that in, in a you know in a real way. That's most of the time, but I think all of us have experienced moments of that. But uh, he talked about this as a stage um, that can often come later in life after walking with the Lord that you truly just see yourself as the beloved. And um, it, it, there's real power there. Let me see here. I talked about my own my own story again. My own story was just that there was such hardness of my heart and such rebellion that I would go into the into the, pr- the prayer room at my church and I would just continue to put my dull heart before the fire of His love in in this context of prayer and worship and the uh, the house of prayer. And slowly over time, it, this doesn't happen overnight. This is not going to happen in a week. This is not going to happen in a month. It may happen in a year, but we can't you know, make these false ideas that if you just do this for a week, if you just start reading these scriptures, then, you know, in a week and a half, you're going to have a heart that's full of joy or a heart that's full of confidence. But over time, the dullness and the hardness and the coldness is melted before the fire of his love, the fire of his beauty. Uh, worship is always central, I think. It's, it's that's, that's the idea is that we're trying to behold and become uh, through looking at the beauty that... Uh, that he is. Um, let me see what else I may have missed. Piper says, God is most fully honored when we are most fully satisfied in him. It's a great quote. 